Welcome to Living Word Ministries with director and Bible teacher, Debbie Blank. Each week, Debbie examines current events through the lens of end times Bible prophecies. Please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org. Now let's open our Bibles to focus on truths from God's Word with Debbie Blank. For most of his 86 years, Dr. James Dobson has been a watchman on the wall for biblical principles and family values through his focus on the family and family talk radio shows and was seen as the most influential spokesman for conservative social positions in American life in the 1980s. We could talk about him or Billy Franklin Graham or John MacArthur or David Jeremiah, so many more who have faithfully proclaimed God and his truths during these changing times of the last 70 years. As we watch the world shifting away from God and his word, we need more watchmen to take a stand and speak the truth publicly and boldly as these leaders have. Will the next generation be as strong and as bold? Will they be watchmen on the wall for the truth of God's word? We pray they will be. I'm Debbie Blank encouraging you to consider if you will be a watchman on the wall for Jesus. And I'm co-host Jackie Sailors. Debbie just mentioned some modern spiritual leaders who fit the pattern of the ancient watchmen on the wall, people who actually watched from atop the city walls in the Bible. Both kinds of watchmen were essential to the protection of the people. Anyone perched atop a city's wall had a unique perspective to warn or guide the people about perils coming over the horizon. In a similar way, his prophets, like Ezekiel, were called to spread God's warnings as spiritual watchmen over God's people. Modern believers are also called to know and be faithful to God's Word and to testify to what He tells us. We're to apply this to perils we see here and now, plus the perils coming over the horizon. We're to then warn and guide others as His watchmen. What does it mean for each of us to personally serve Him as a watchman on the wall? You mentioned Ezekiel. In Ezekiel 3.17, God commissioned him with these words, Son of man, I have appointed you a watchman to the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, warn them from me. God said, when you hear a word from my mouth, warn them. Well, we hear a word from God's mouth all the time through his written word, the Bible. And then when we hear it, we should be warning people. That's what you and I do on the show. We warn people about what's going to happen biblically, not because we are prophets, but because God tells us from his word. So we want people to be aware and be ready and be warned for these last days. Now, Ezekiel was from a priestly family. We're not. James Dobson wasn't the pastor of a church. Some of these other people I mentioned were pastors. But the point being is we're all called to be watchmen. As I said, Ezekiel was from a priestly family. He lived in Jerusalem during the time of the Babylonian captivity, which started in 605 BC and finally ended with the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. He was taken captive in 597 back to Babylon. So when he was writing this book, he was writing it to the Babylonian captives. Jeremiah was in Jerusalem, writing to the people in Jerusalem at the same time that he was writing. Ezekiel, by the way, is a contemporary of Daniel, who also wrote at the same time, not really so much to the captives as much as God's prophetic vision about what was going to happen in the future. So we have this man who chastised Israel for their sins against God. And that resulted in the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple, just as Ezekiel prophesied and Jeremiah did also. But he also gave them hope. 
He wasn't just a gloom and doom prophet, much like Jeremiah. He encouraged them with the prophecies of the future, what would happen when Jesus returned and set up his kingdom for his people. So Ezekiel was a watchman because that's what he was called to be. He spoke the truth of God and it was painful. Who wants to hear gloom and doom? The city and the sanctuary had not yet been destroyed when he first started prophesying. When he prophesied later, it had been destroyed. And so that's why he was giving encouragement about the future. We need to speak the truth now before our city and sanctuary are destroyed. Before we see God's plan of wrath and destruction come upon this world. I was just thinking of the verse from Amos 3, 7. For the Lord God does nothing without revealing his secret to his servants, the prophets. God is so loving and so caring that he wants us to know. He wants us to be able to be prepared. So he has those who he has commissioned, those who has called. And as believers today, we're all called to know his word and to share it and to spread those warnings. And as you said, it's not always fun. It's not fun to tell people some of the things that might be coming along, but it's an opportunity to spare people from some things that they could be spared from. That's the whole idea of the spiritual watchman on the wall. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 9 tells us, We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So he says right there to each one of us, a priest. When we read Revelation 20, we see that we will be priests in God's new kingdom. So we have a responsibility as a priest. And I say that loosely. We're not a priest in the Catholic church or we're not a pastor of a church, but we are priests in God's kingdom. So we do have that responsibility. We know that in modern times, we don't have walls around our cities, but in the ancient times, they had to. They were smaller cities, and they needed to protect themselves against an enemy, whoever that might be. So they had thick, tall walls. doesn't do any good to have walls if you don't have someone protecting the walls. That's where the watchman comes in. The watchmen were positioned at strategic points, usually the highest point on the wall, so they could see the enemy as they were approaching the city. Well, when the enemy was seen, the watchmen, of course, were to blow their trumpet to sound the alarm because this was a life and death situation if the enemy was able to penetrate the walls. If they failed to see the enemy or if they fell asleep or if they didn't warn the city, people would perish, including himself and his own family. If he succeeded in warning them, however, the people could prepare themselves to withstand the incursion and they could fight for their lives. As I read this, I think of the city of Sardis in the book of Revelation, where a letter was written to them. They were told to wake up because the history of that city is that the watchmen had fallen asleep on the walls and they were defeated by their enemies. So we need to wake up as watchmen. We need to be alert, attentive, looking out for the enemy. See, a lot of times we don't look out for the enemy. We just wait until something terrible happens and then we're caught in the enemy's triumph and we don't know what to do about it. And when we're talking about enemy, we're talking about spiritual enemies. We are to be spiritual watchmen on the wall, not really physical ones. And therefore, we need to be looking for Satan's attacks, for Satan's deception, for all the things that he's doing to turn us away from God. And those are the things that we need to be warning people about. Because you think about it, what kind of people were watchmen? They were trustworthy, faithful. They had to be responsible. They were committed to their task. 
and they were protective of their, their people. Those are just a few of the things, and those are what we're called to be as Christians, protective of God's word, of the truth, committed to the task of getting the truth out and being bold about it, being responsible to do it, being trustworthy, trusting God, and being trusted with his calling to be a watchman, and being faithful. It's so important to do that. I think sometimes we say, who, me? And of course, yes, if you're a believer, he is calling you, just like a lot of the prophets would kind of say, who, me? And God would say, yes, you. And they would go ahead and be obedient. And Ezekiel was one of those prophets who was chosen by God. And God, in the book of Ezekiel, tells how important it is to be a watchman on the wall. There's some really significant passages in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 13 is the love passage. Hebrews 11 is the faith passage. Well, when we come to Ezekiel 33, that's the watchman passage because he's very clear throughout this chapter what we should be doing through what Ezekiel was called to do. So let's begin by reading Ezekiel 33, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, speak to the sons of your people and say to them, If I bring a sword upon the land and the people of the land take one man from among them and make him their watchman, And he sees the sword coming upon the land and blows on the trumpet and warns the people. Then he who hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning and a sword comes and takes him away, his blood will be on his own head. So there's a responsibility there, a personal responsibility that when you hear what the watchman says, you need to take action. If you don't, you're personally responsible for what happens. Let's look at that from a spiritual standpoint. If someone's proclaiming the gospel and telling you the truth about what it takes to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, not just what our religions teach or what we think, but the truth of the word and people are warned about turning to Jesus and the importance of that relationship and they ignore it, their personal responsibility for that decision will show up after they die and they spend eternity away from God. That's why we need to be watchmen on the wall, proclaiming the truth. And it's not up to us how people respond. It's up to us to be obedient to God in proclaiming that truth. But if the person listens, then you've spared that person his life. And even if they don't, our responsibility, Ezekiel's responsibility, was to be obedient, to share that news, to share those warnings, regardless of what it was like to do that. And once you did that, it was not your responsibility for how they responded. Even today now, what you do is you share the warning, and then you're not responsible for if someone accepts it or rejects it. They are responsible for that. But you needed to at least warn them. John Wesley once said, God causes the faithfulness, not results. So we need to be faithful to how God has called us to proclaim the truth. And it's up to him to cause the growth and to work in people's hearts. We're not responsible for the results, only to be faithful. Now, as we go back to Ezekiel 33, 5, that reads, He heard the sound of the trumpet, but did not take warning. His blood will be on himself. So that's the person that didn't listen to the warning. But had he taken warning, he would have delivered his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, And the people are not warned, and a sword comes and takes a person from them. He is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require from the watchman's hand. Oh, that's pretty sobering. God gives us the heart and the desire to share the gospel, and we don't do it. 
God is going to hold us accountable for that because we knew the truth. He wanted us to share it and we didn't do it. Now, the other person obviously would be accountable because they didn't make a decision for Jesus Christ, but they were not warned. In Romans 1, God says that he makes himself apparent to everyone through nature, certainly through his Holy Spirit and through people. So God is the one to move in people's hearts. But when he calls us to do something and we don't do it, we're held accountable. That is so sobering. And when you go on to the next verse, it says, Now as for you, son of man, I have appointed you a watchman for the house of Israel. So you will hear a message from my mouth and give them warning from me. Again, I have appointed you. This is what you're supposed to do. It's very clear. In this case, Ezekiel was to speak to Israel, to his people, and to give warnings that he received from the Lord for the benefit of his own people. And God has told us the same thing too. In Matthew 28, 19 and 20, he gave us some marching orders. Go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. So we have a command to be watchmen. We are to go. We are to make disciples. We're not just supposed to be Christians and go to church every Sunday and get fed and enjoy it and maybe grow spiritually, but we're to pour out what we know. Going back to Ezekiel 33, verse 8, he says, When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you will surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity but his blood I will require from your hand. Now God's getting a little clearer here how this affects us. When we are to tell the wicked about their sin, if we don't do it, God's going to require that of us, that we did not share the truth. It's not just up to the pastors to speak the truth of God's word. It's up to each one of us. They lead our churches, but we are followers of Jesus Christ. We are every bit as responsible as they are to speaking the truth and sharing the gospel with people. Verse 9 ends by saying, But if you and your part warn a wicked man to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, he will die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your life. So you can be firm in your conscience before the Lord that you have done what he's called you to do if you're willing to be that watchman on the wall, if you're willing to proclaim and follow the truth of God's word and live it out. You know, most of America calls themselves Christians, but we're not seeing it in our actions. Statistics say that 35% of pastors look at pornography. Uh, Somewhere around 55% of Americans get divorced. They separate from their spouse, including Christians. Every statistic, good or bad, in this culture is equaled with Christians and people who don't follow the Lord. So we're looking an awful lot like the world instead of how God intended the church to be, which is set apart from the world. You probably noticed when you were reading those verses, 8 and 9, how many times wicked was used. I think it was five times in iniquity twice. How many of us really have a heart for the wicked? And yet the Lord does, and he's sending us out to the wicked. And how much fun is it to tell the truth and to warn the wicked? It could be perilous. It could be dangerous to your health to spread the word of the Lord and to warn them, the warnings that apply directly to them and the wicked acts that they're doing. And yet we're expected to do that. That was really challenging, that we would be responsible if we didn't warn the wicked. All we have to do is look at Jonah. Exactly. Jonah was called to go to the wicked, 
the Ninevites, and he didn't want to do it because he was afraid of what would happen or because he didn't like them and didn't want them to be saved by God. But God loved them. He loves even the wicked, most wicked. How about if instead of criticizing our political leaders that we don't agree with, why don't we instead pray for them and look for opportunities to share the word and the truth of God with them? That's what would make a difference instead of being critical. Criticism is not of God. He wants us to love one another. Well, let's go back and look at some interesting observations about this passage we just read in Ezekiel 33. Keep in mind, it's God who's bringing the sword. When he says in verse two, speak to the sons of the people and say to them, if I bring a sword upon the land. So God is saying he would be the one to do it. Why would God bring a sword upon the land? Well, we can read the book of Judges to find out that when God's people turn away from him, he will bring judgment. He will bring situations in our lives that will cause us to need to turn back to God. So God was allowing calamity in Israel due to their sin. And he wanted them then to repent and turn back. But when they're in sin, they need to be told they're in sin. That's what we need to do. Rather than saying it's acceptable in our culture to approve of things that God does not say are biblical. Our country has just overturned Roe v. Wade, but there's a big push now to make it legal from our congressional standpoint, but certainly in many of the states. So we haven't yet left that atrocity behind us. We need to stand up and speak on things like that when we see evil perpetrating our world. And then another observation is that people are to take one man from among them, according to this text. It didn't say a whole bunch of people, but take one person and put them on that wall. Would you be the person that's trustworthy enough that to save the whole city? And would you be the person who's trustworthy enough to take the gospel to your neighborhood, to your extended family members, to your coworkers? Trust me when I tell you, God will take care of you if you are following his truths and doing what he tells you to do. Things may be tough, but he'll teach you through those tough times. Also, the watchman's job, if you notice, was to watch and to warn He's consistently looking for the enemy. He can't sleep on the job. We should be consistently looking for Satan's tax, his evil, his deception, all the things that he does. And then we need to warn the other people of it. If we don't warn people, they won't know. They say that it takes seven times for a name to be brought in the public's eye before people remember that name for political purposes. Well, it's the same thing with this. Oftentimes we need to say something seven times for people to realize there's really a problem with it. We've already talked about the fact that each person has a personal responsibility to respond to the situation and that there's a consequence to the watchman's behavior, a life or death consequence. In our case, spiritual life or death. If we're faithful to sound God's spiritual alarms, the result will be life for us. And we pray for the people we're talking to. If not, it's going to be spiritual death. As you talked about those last few verses that talk about wicked and evil, well, the conclusions in those verses are to speak boldly, speak clearly, and leave the results to God. That's what a watchman's supposed to do. The question is, are we doing it? I think about some of the splits that are happening in some denominations. Perhaps those splits are the consequences of people having to stand up and 
give the warning. And then if they hear it and they understand it and they become obedient, then that's good. But if not, then that separation has to occur so that that message has been sent. That reminds me, Jackie, that when we stand up for the truth, we will be chastised. We will lose our jobs. We will have splits in congregations. We may be put in jail, as some people have, or at least have lawsuits against them. When we stand for the truth, it doesn't mean it's going to be a rose garden. All we have to do is look at the prophets. Oftentimes, when they spoke the truth, when they stood on the truth of God's word, they were chastised or imprisoned or something happened to them. You look at Paul. Paul was preaching all around the world, and he was shipwrecked numerous times and beaten and left for dead. Life can be tough when you stand for the truth of God. Most of us don't want that. We want to live in a nice, peaceful world, and we want everything to be great, and we don't want to give up our job. But I would much rather give up the luxuries of this world and be obedient to my God, and therefore know when I spend eternity with him, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant then live a Christian in name only type of a life where we have all the luxuries of the world, but we're not pleasing our Lord. Our goal here is to serve God, glorify him and honor him. It's not just to be happy. I have a, a verse here from Acts 20 where Paul talks about testifying to them. And it says, therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. So Paul went through that a lot, didn't he? He did. He was innocent before God, but the people certainly didn't treat him that way. When Paul was uh, speaking to Timothy and giving him instruction as far as how to lead his congregation, it was very important to him. And he starts out saying in 2 Timothy 2.2, The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. It was so important to be able to pass this along. It was so important for him to just stress the importance of that to Timothy. Timothy was Paul's spiritual child. He shared the gospel with him. He trained him up in the word and the truth of God. When he wrote 2 Timothy, this was the very last book that Paul wrote before he was killed. And he wrote it to his son, Timothy, his spiritual son, to give him guidance and instruction. If we want to know how we should live for Christ, we should read the book of 2 Timothy and learn from it. Because as Paul said, Timothy now has heard the truth and Paul is entrusting it to Timothy. So he will not just keep it to himself, but he will teach others, it said. And that's what we need to do. In the Bible, it tells us as women that we're to teach younger women. As men, it says we're to train up our children the way they should go. We have a responsibility to pour out our faith into the next generation and into other people. If you look back into the book of Judges, you will see that after Joshua and after the leaders after him, there arose a third generation that did not know God. That means that the first generation may have passed on some of God's principles, but that second generation did not pass them on to the third generation. That's where we are in our culture. That's why so few kids know the Bible. So few people understand what biblical principles are or have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to entrust the oracles of God to faithful men. And then later in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 to 5, Paul again says to Timothy, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom. 
So Paul doesn't say, hey, for Jesus' sake, do this. He says, I solemnly, it's an urgent call for Timothy because of God and of Jesus Christ, who will eventually judge and who is going to appear for his kingdom. So he reminds Timothy of how important Jesus Christ is. Then he says to him, very strong exhortations, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. And then he says, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. Reprove and rebuke are negative. I mean, that means we have to tell people that what they're doing is wrong. We have to show them their sin, expose their sin. Well, we don't want to do that because we might offend somebody. That's why we have to have a pure heart before God and people. Otherwise, we cannot rebuke or exhort others. And that doesn't mean, by the way, that every time we see somebody do something wrong, we need to go say, oh, you did this wrong and you have to change. We need to pray about it. We need to ask God to give you wisdom on how to approach them. And we need God's wisdom in their hearts to be able to accept the reproving and the rebuke. And he says, then exhort, which means to encourage, tell the truth with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. We're seeing that today. So we need to look for teachers who teach the word of God faithfully, but in truth. These are great exhortations. I encourage you to read more in Second Timothy. So as followers of Jesus Christ, you and I are all called to the sobering task of being that spiritual watchman on the wall for our families, our neighbors, our friends, our co-workers, our country. We may not all be Billy Graham's or James Dobson's, but we are called to be faithful and to follow Jesus. That means that we can't sit on the sidelines anymore. We can't wait for somebody else to do it. Whether it means speaking or teaching or praying or writing letters or encouraging or evangelizing or anything else, we must speak out. If we'd been speaking out over the last 60 years in this country, we wouldn't be in the predicaments we're in now. Who else is going to speak for our children if we don't against the sexual revolution that's taking place in our schools? Do you know that in some schools around the world, they're teaching kindergartners how to masturbate? That's just an anathema. Who's going to speak up for our children if we don't? Who's going to look at the curriculum if we don't? Who's going to promote biblical marriage between a man and a woman if we don't? If we don't do it by getting married, if we don't do it by showing our lifestyle, it's not just speaking out and condemning. It's doing the positive of living a proper lifestyle and speaking the truth of God, not condemning people. Who's going to cancel their Netflix subscription? When they air shows that blaspheme Jesus Christ. I know a lot of people did. And it's not just canceling the Netflix subscription. Sometimes it's writing a letter or making it known. And speaking of writing a letter, how many of you have written to your congressmen or your senators about things that have gone on in Washington or bills that they're considering that go against the truth of the word of God? That's pretty simple. It's innocuous, but it has an impact. Who's going to look for opportunities to share Jesus with others and to speak the name of Jesus, which nowadays some people are saying we can't speak because it's offensive to other people. Well, that to me makes me want to go speak the name of Jesus even more. Jesus told us we always need to be ready. That means we need to be as watchmen who are watching and warning. And he tells us that in first Peter chapter three, verse 15 but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. 
always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that's in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. Thank you for joining us today on Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank. This is a listener-supported show. If you'd like to support this program or contact Debbie Blank, you may do so at P.O. Box 540-003, Omaha, Nebraska, 68154, or visit our website at livingwordministry.org. Please tune in each week at this same time for Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank.